Hey, Connect family, I am Pastor Stacy, and I want to welcome you today. If you're watching online, hey, hey, put it in the chat. Good morning. We're so glad that you're here. And if you're watching at one of our city groups, if you're at our city group, we want to welcome you. Marlboro, Milford, Framingham, Natick, and Ashland city groups. We're so glad that you're joining us. This is a fire weekend because we just had last night our marriage event, and it was awesome. So if you were there, give us a little whoop, whoop. Whether you're at the city group or even online, give us a little fire emoji. Um, but we're going to continue with our fire weekend this morning at our city groups with Blame Throwers series. Pastor Devin started it last week, and I'm going to continue this morning. But I really think it's a really timely message because it's literally some things are out of control right now during this pandemic. And I think there's a level of blame throwing that has reached all new time, all new highs, you know? And I think that a lot of people recently have felt a lot of pressure during this pandemic. And if you, if you haven't noticed pressure reveals character, can I get an amen? Okay. It's and sometimes it's not good, but what a lot of people are not okay mentally. And so there's a lot of blame throwing going on. And so we wanted to just give you some biblical references of how God wants us to treat blame throwers. And today we're going to talk about a whole new topic of blame throwers. Last week, Devin gave us six, um, six areas that we need to focus on in our own lives so that we're not the blame throwers, so that we can live responsibility, live responsibly. And this week, I want to focus on a, a different kind, a different set of blame throwers, and that is all about toxic people. Because toxicity, I'm telling you, it, have anybody else experienced this during this pandemic? Is you, you have people that are just like, I don't know, people have lost their ever-loving minds is what I've said. <laughs> and it's like there's people's toxicity that's causing us sleepless nights. We're losing our peace. We're rehearsing those conversations. And it's really tough and hard because um, it derails us. It, it kind of, we lose our focus on what we're supposed to be focused on. And so I think a lot of this has really happened during the pandemic. And so last week, Devin had mentioned Genesis 3, and this is in the Garden of Eden that the blame game started. Okay, so Adam blamed, you know, God asks, you know, what are you doing? Why did you eat the apple? Or why did you eat the fruit? Or technically, it wasn't an apple, Pastor Deej, it's not an apple. <laughs> um, but um, God asks Adam, what are you doing? Adam immediately blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent. Okay, but here's what I've always found so interesting is that Adam was a master blame thrower. What did he do? He didn't just blame Eve. He literally, in one fell swoop, he blamed Eve and he blamed God. He said, the woman that you gave me, she made me do it. You know, so that if I were Eve, I would have been like, I'm going to step back for a moment and let the lightning bolts hit because you just blamed God. Like, what in the world? What are you thinking? Um, but Devin talked about the passive man and, and, and a deceived woman. That's a deadly combo. That's where we see this blame game start. And so Devin gave us, like I mentioned, six areas. If you haven't listened to that message, go ahead and listen to that. Um, it's, it's powerful. We've got to make sure that we're not blame throwers in our own lives. And so he said last week, the only way to win relationally is if we live responsibly. And but how many of you know, you could be living responsibly. You're you know, running in your own lane, you're minding your own business when somebody else comes along and starts throwing blame your way. Like, what do you do? It keeps you awake at night. You just, you feel that turmoil, that dissension, that discord in your heart. 
and it's difficult to let it go. So we're gonna talk about toxic people and our big idea for today is the only way to live peaceably in your own life is to handle blame throwers or toxic people responsibly. Today's all about toxic people. Okay, don't, if you're watching online, don't put in their names, don't do that. Don't elbow the person that you think is toxic because we're gonna get into the different kinds of toxic people. So as Christians, what I've heard, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people recently um, that are handling a lot of this blame throwing and toxicity. Um, and as Christians, a lot of people think, well, you know, we just need to love them more. We need to forgive them. We need to keep them close and, and just keep them in our lives. And that's literally the exact opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus did not, he loved people, absolutely, but he didn't allow toxic behavior. He didn't have toxic behavior with among the Pharisees, among his disciples. He didn't allow judgmentalism or gossip or arrogance. Like he didn't allow those things. There's in, in the book of Luke, we're gonna get into it next week a little bit more, but um, there were many times in, in the Gospel of Luke where he just walked away from people or he allowed toxic people to walk away from him without chase, without reconciliation, without agreement. It just it literally just stops. He just does nothing. But he, there's some certain situations where he calls them out on their toxicity, so to speak. But Jesus taught us to flee. He didn't teach us to feel guilty. He taught us to flee from those toxic people. Let's take another example in the Bible, David and King Saul. Okay, David was in King Saul's court, and King Saul was not only a blame thrower, but he was a spear thrower, literal spears, spear thrower. Okay, if David stayed in King Saul's presence and he stayed in that, allowed himself to stay in that toxicity because he was a good Christian, I mean, King Saul's toxicity was going to derail him from his purpose, was going to um, eliminate David altogether. Now, there are a lot of things, a lot of obstacles you can overcome to walk in your purpose. Death is not one of them. Death is a little bit tough to overcome if you're trying to walk in your purpose. <laughs> and if King Saul hit David with one of his spears that David just stayed there allowing him to throw spears, he would have been killed. He would have not walked in his purpose. So you don't, just because we're Christians, doesn't mean we stay in, pres in the presence of blame throwers who are throwing spears at us with their words, with their behavior, with their actions, with their shame and their guilt. Those are killing us emotionally. And that's not okay. That is not how we're supposed to deal with toxic people. Allowing toxicity in, in your life eliminates your peace. In fact, it stirs up turmoil and dissension and discord. And it, it derails us and distracts us from our purpose and our calling. And we can't do that because when I get to my audience of one, I don't want to be a blame thrower at the pearly gates. I don't want to say, you know what, because of the family that you gave me, God, I couldn't walk in my purpose. Because my parents didn't believe in me, I didn't walk in my calling. Like you can't be Adam and, you know, Saul and blame God for your life and that you didn't walk in your calling, you're responsible for your behavior. I, I can't, you can't have a victimization mentality of, well, I didn't do this because of somebody else. And that is what toxic people do. They have victimization and they blame everyone else. Um, and toxic people just, they cause us to lose our peace and distract us from our purpose. So again, our big idea 
is you can type this in. The only way to live peaceably is to handle toxic people responsibly. And I'm going to talk about how to do that today. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people, with everyone. Okay, there's two uh, interesting phrases at the very beginning of that. It says, if it's possible and as far as it depends on you. Okay, that means even God knows that there are some difficult people that you can't live peaceably with at all times. Okay, because if it's possible, it means it might not be possible. And as far as it depends on me, might mean it, it doesn't, it, it might depend on somebody else to live peaceably. Are you getting what I'm saying? Okay, so blame throwers are difficult people to live peaceably with. So I want to talk to you about three types of people that Henry Cloud says there's three types in, in his book, Necessary Endings. And two of those people are toxic people. Okay, the first one is wise people. Then we have foolish people. And then we have evil people. Okay, now, wise people and how they handle truth is determines whether they're a wise or foolish person. So a wise person encounters truth and changes, okay? A foolish person encounters truth and they don't change, whether they're blame shifters or excuse makers or they're just stubborn, okay? That, that, they still could be foolish. Now the difference, or not the difference, but the third person is evil. The third person is the kind of evil person. Now as a good Southern Christian girl, it feels very wrong to call people evil. <laughs> but the Bible does. The Bible, you look in Proverbs or Psalms, I mean, there's all kinds of scriptures that talk about the wicked person or the evil person. So they have, an evil person has bad intentions. They're always out for someone's harm. They, um, they, they cause, they cause um, turmoil and dissension. They want to see you fail and they never have your best interest at heart. They're only out for themselves. So the interesting thing is that we've probably all been each one of these three people in our lives. But the good news is that you can change if you want to. Anyone can change if they want to. How you encounter truth, a wise person can encounter truth and become more wise. A foolish person can encounter truth and become a wise person. And an evil person, well, sometimes it takes an act of God to change an evil person into, <laughs> even to get to the next level of foolishness. But... A change of heart, God can do anything. There's no heart too far from God, but we don't have to stay in the presence and be a part of the process of their heart changing because we're not Jesus. That's not our calling. We're not Jesus. Okay, so sometimes um, the, the, you have to have wisdom and discernment in order to determine if somebody is a foolish person or an evil person because how do you handle three types of people? Well, you want to keep wise people near you, near and dear to your heart, and you want to limit fools, okay? So type that in the chat, say that out loud, keep wise people near you, and limit fools. Proverbs 9, verses 8 and 9 says, do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Those are the fools and evil people. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. So foolish people sometimes can get into a habit of thinking 
selfish ways or having this victim mentality and they'd still be considered foolish. However, if a foolish person continues to think that way, sometimes they can turn into an evil person because of their intentions. They're thinking, I, you know, my life isn't what it should be because of these people or this happened to me so I can't do this, therefore it's their fault. Well, over time when a foolish person keeps on thinking those victimization thoughts, it turns into, you know what, they've harmed me. I'm gonna harm them. And then their intentions are, to, are for evil. And so they turn in from a foolish person to an evil person. So you're gonna have foolish people around you probably your whole life. And you need to limit your, your interactions with fools, especially if they haven't sh shown signs of growth when you have tried to give them truth in the first place. So Craig Rochelle says this, that you should invest 80% of your time into great leaders. That's wise people. And he says the other 20% of your time, you can invest in fools, but you want to make sure that those, that, that's 80% and 20%, what does that equal? 100%. Where does that leave room for evil people in your life? Not much room. <laughs> so you want to keep wise people near and dear. You want to keep them at the top of your organization because wise people build. T write that in your notes. That's in your notes there. Wise people build. They love to learn. They love feedback. They're humble. They're hungry. They want to grow. Okay. When you stack your organization with wise people, it actually becomes a natural buffer for the foolish and the evil people. Okay, so this is so good. If you're a leader, if you have a business, if you're running a team, you want to make sure you stack it with wise people because foolish and evil people are toxic to your culture and your mission. It's, it's so important that you understand this. You don't need to keep a, a toxic or an evil person in your organization because it ruins your culture and your mission. I, I want to have... Um, in our school, I'm the principal at Metro West Christian Academy, and we have a group of, there's about six or seven of my teachers who've been with me for about eight, 10 years, a couple of them for 12 years. And so we have, they're wise women. And what happens is when other people come into our school, I don't just, other teachers, I mean, I don't just look for somebody that has the competency to teach a classroom. I look for somebody that has the competency, yes, but they have to have the character and the chemistry to fit into our organization. Because that, I, I work hard at making sure our culture is life-giving and positive, and toxic and evil people will undermine that so quickly. And usually what happens is if when you, have, when you build your team with wise people, like I said, it acts as a natural buffer. Toxic people won't stay in that kind of environment for very long because toxic people do not like healthy environments. They love dissension and discord and the tornado of their lives. You know, they leave a wake of destruction in their path. And it's, there's, always, uh, there's always discord. There's always conflict. That's how you can tell if there's usually an evil person that there's always some kind of turmoil going, around, going on around them. But they hate healthy people, healthy boundaries, healthy environments, because they can't get traction or validation in those environments. And usually, if you, um, the more you confront their behavior, the quicker they're going to move on just naturally. You don't even have to, you know, try to kick them out. They move on because you're just confronting behaviors truthfully. And I'm going to get to that in a minute, how Jesus did it. It's very interesting. But sometimes, like I mentioned, you have to have wisdom and discernment on to know 
when to know if, a fool, if it's a foolish person or an evil person. Because here's the deal. A foolish person can make the same mistakes over and over again. And they, they might not have evil intentions. So they're just foolish, okay? But here's, I'm going to give you some words and characteristics and traits of people that if it's combined, if their foolishness is combined with these things, it's probably an evil person. And you probably need to just... Um, eliminate the evil people in your life. Okay, so evil people, evil behaviors, and I'm going to, this is not just me. This is not psychology. I'm going to show you in the Bible, so just hear me out, okay? Lying, manipulation, blame shifting, unteachable, gossip, malicious talk, hidden agendas, twisting truths, um, a critical spirit about anything that they didn't think of. Anybody know somebody like that? Again, don't elbow anybody. (laughs) But then in the organization that you run, if you're uh, you know, a business leader or um, you have your own team, is if, you're, if they're pursuing their own mission that is contradictory to the company's mission or your mission, probably not the best suited for your team, okay? The first thing we have to do on all those things is make sure that we're none of those. That would be number one. So that goes back to Pastor Devin's message last week is take responsibility for your own life. Make sure you're none of those. But... Let me get to the Bible. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19, it says this. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Okay, another version says, for the last one, is a brother who sows discord in a family. Okay, all those things, seven things, a lot of them have to do with lying, twisting, evil, conniving, crafty. Those are evil things in the Lord's eyes, not just people's eyes, in the Lord's eyes. It says he hates those things because those are... Those are evil behaviors. And so what you need to do is eliminate toxic and evil people from your lives. You just need to stay away from them. You block them. You stay away from them. They're not literally, when I say this, hear me out. They're not worth the energy drain that it takes on your life, the energy drain and the toll that it takes on your life. They're worth it to Jesus, but we're not Jesus. We don't need to change them, okay? They're not, they're, they they distract me from my peace, my purpose, and my productivity. I mean, if you've ever dealt with a toxic person, you know what I'm talking about. You get home, you're irritated, it's my boss, it's my coworker, they said this, they did this. Okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna learn how to handle those people. We're gonna confront in truth and grace and be honorable about it, but we don't have to let that fester in our spirit and our soul. We do not have to do that. We need to just eliminate toxic people. And you might not be able to do that um, in your own organization if you're not the boss, but um, I'm going to show you how that what we're going to do. Because here's the deal. The longer you let people, evil people, up close and personal to you, the more damage they're going to do. Toxic and evil people do great damage great damage, not just to an organization, but to your spirit. Like I said, they're like Saul's. They're throwing spears at you. They're throwing blame at you. And that's not okay. It's literally, you have to be a good steward for yourself before you can be helpful to other people. And if you are just letting people throw all this stuff at you because you're a Christian and because we're supposed to, that's not what the Bible says. Devin and I are going to talk about that next week in part three. But you cannot... 
we have to be a good steward of ourselves. So look at this, what the Bible says about um, evil people. Proverbs 22.10 says, Throw out the mocker and fighting goes too. Quarrels and insults will disappear. Okay, let's go back to uh, the verse that says, A brother who sows discord in his own family. Okay, quarrels and insults, uh, un- <laughs> you know, holiday meals are not that fun. Okay, so that's the kind of thing is you're, you need to confront behavior, but you just need to get rid of the mocker so that the insults and the quarrels disappear. That's what we want. We want peace in our lives, and I'm responsible for my own life, for the peace in my life, and that's the way I'm going to get it. Here's the, here's the deal. Look at this next verse. One of my, um, a, a powerful verse, I can't say it's my favorite verse because it's very difficult, but Titus 3, 10, and 11 says this. If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and a second warning. After that, have nothing to do with them. I didn't make that up. That's literally in the Bible, okay? If they're causing divisions among you, give them a first and a second warning. After that, have nothing to do with them. It's literally like baseball. Three strikes and you are out, buddy. You are out, sister, honey. And it says, it goes on to say, for people like that have turned away from the truth. Their own sins condemn them. This is what we think is, well, I can't condemn them. I'm a good Christian. I don't have to condemn them. The Bible says it themselves, it says it itself, is that their own sins condemn them. I don't have to condemn them. I just have nothing to do with them. That's what the Bible tells me to do is have nothing to do with them. Walk away. Um, Confront the truth. And it might look like this. No, I'm sorry, you're not going to speak to me that way. You know, no, I'm sorry, Dad, you can't speak to my spouse like that. No, I'm sorry, you know, this is not the way this is going to go down. Or when you decide that you want to behave, you know, rationally, we'll talk, but you're not going to yell at me. I'm confronting in truth. I'm not being crazy myself. I don't have to fix them. I just need to be responsible for my own self. And the only way I can do that is if I behave according to what the, the Lord has told me. My audience of one has told me how to behave in doing the confronting, okay? So what is my role with toxic people? I am so glad you asked. Let me get to that. Here's your role. Toxic people, this is what they want to do. They want to get in your head. They want to um, rent space in your head and in your heart. That's what they love. They love knowing that they've gotten to you. That's, um, they don't care about you. Remember, the evil people, they have bad intentions. They are not, they do not have your best interest at heart. So what you need to do is, you know, we need to get rid of this paradigm of why do I feel like I have to carry the burden of their behavior? We, we think, I'm not going to confront this. I can't do that. Or we get uncomfortable doing it. But why? I'm, I don't have to carry the burden of somebody else's evil behavior. That's not a good steward for me. I'm giving them free rent in my head and letting them just walk all over my mental health and and my peace and derailing me from my calling and my purpose because that takes time. That's what the devil loves. He loves to take time in your mind so that you're not focused on your family when you get home, so you're not focused on your job of how to, to you know use your gifts for the glory of God at work. That's what he loves. He wants to plant things, toxicity around you so that you're derailed from your purpose and your calling. So we don't need to play their game. When We don't need to you know, stoop to a, to- a toxic person's level. 
And I'm going to tell you how. So let's, first, let's look at Jesus, what he, how he handled one particular betrayer that was in his organization, his disciples. He was up close and personal. And of course, we know it was Judas. Okay, they're at the Last Supper. Matthew 26, 24 says this. They had already, you know, they're taking communion. And Jesus tells his disciples that someone's going to betray them, betray him. And so he says, but how terrible it will be for the one who betrays the Son of Man. It would be far better for that man to not ever have been born. Okay, that's powerful. <laughs> Jesus is saying that. You might as well have not even been born because you're about to betray the Son of Man. Wouldn't you say that that's kind of a, a, he's confronting evil behavior. So then they're all like, is it me? Is it me? And Judas says, is it me? And Jesus says, yes, you have said it. You know, Jesus is like, you said it, not me. You, you've called yourself out, you know. It, Jesus even calls him out when he says, you're going to betray me with a kiss. You know, he didn't just, you know, he spoke truth to crazy. He spoke truth to toxicity. He didn't speak polite, polite lies. He didn't dismiss it. He spoke truth to it. He confronted it. And here's the thing. There's a difference between the foolish and the evil. Let's look at the two disciples. Peter was foolish, okay? He, Peter was just foolish. Judas had evil intentions, so he was evil. Peter had a bad day. Judas had a bad heart. There's a big difference. You got to look. There's a pattern. There's a pattern there that you got to look at. And if, Ju if Jesus couldn't stop Judas from sinning, what makes us think that we can stop a toxic person from sinning? That's what Christians do sometimes is we keep toxic people close to us because we think we can help them. Jesus didn't help Judas stop sinning. What makes you think that you can stop those people that are toxic around you, that you can make them stop doing that? You can't. I'm not responsible for that. I'm responsible for my behavior, not anyone else's. And so I have to have, I'm responsible for my peace. So my role with toxic people in my life is to handle them responsibly. responsibly. And how do we do that? Number one, I'm going to give you five things. Number one is keep your heart right. Okay, let me just say this. This is a message in and of itself, just this one point. I, this is a whole series, actually. <laughs> but there's so many things that the Bible says that helps us to keep our heart right. Like the Bible says, um, Psalm 139, 23, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. See if there's any offensive way in me. One version says, see if there's any wicked way in me. And leave me in life everlasting. Okay, keeping your heart right is hard to do when you're dealing with toxic people. And, you know, it's... Um, I think of just the things that God says to us, you know, in Colossians 3, he says, put to death, therefore, all these things, anger, rage, malice, slander. Those are things that you want to come out when a toxic person throws it on you. When a blame thrower throws it on you, it's our natural human tendency is I want to throw it right back. But keeping our heart right keeps us from doing that. If, you know, the Bible says, um, forgive if we want to be forgiven. The Bible tells us to pray for those who persecute us, to love our enemies. And we can do those things, but we don't have to keep the toxic person right up close to us. We can forgive and move on. We can bless and pray for, and that's how we keep our hearts right. 1 John 3, verse 21 and 22 says, If our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God that, and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what he pleases. So when we keep our heart right, this is what we can do. Now, granted, it is, a, it is an ongoing process keeping our heart right. And sometimes it's exhausting. <laughs> but I want to say this, the longer you keep your heart right, probably the more exhausted you're going to be. 
and maybe the more determined you will be to eliminate the evil person. Can I get an amen? So I want you to write in the chat, keep my heart right, okay? So in keeping our heart right, it's so hard because sometimes toxic people are like stinking woodpeckers. They're like, you know, giving you plenty of opportunities to keep your heart right. But here's the deal. Evil people want you to take the bait. So number two is don't take the bait. Say that out loud. Don't take the bait. Type that in the chat. Don't take the bait. Proverbs 21, 23 says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Basically, Jesus is saying this to us, is this is what you want to do. This is what you need to do, okay? Again, keeping your heart right. <laughs> Don't take in the bait. This is difficult sometimes. Proverbs 26.4 says this, Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools or you will become as foolish as they are. Okay, don't reply. Don't text back. Don't send that email. Don't write a letter. Don't do that. So don't stoop to their level. You know, don't post passive-aggressive social media. Let me say it for the ones in the back. Don't post social media passive-aggressive posts. That's so silly. You, take, you become foolish when you take their bait. Um, and, and there's a situation where we, I was ready to take the bait. Man, I, had, I read something, and I was like, I was ready to swipe my phone up. And I had it in my hand, and I was ready to start, you know, drafting a letter. <laughs> and I was like, conviction, don't do it. This is what they want. They want you to get in. They want to pull you into their storm. But I was like, nope not going to do it because I was like, I can, def I can annihilate every single point that this person made. This is lies, lies, lies. I can point and, you know, date and time. I, could, I was ready to annihilate. But here's, here's the saying, a bulldog can kill a skunk, but is it worth it? You know, I mean, I could have, I could have just annihilated her, but then I'd get that skunk stank on me and I do not want skunk stank on me. You know what I'm saying? There's another say, phrase that says, never wrestle with a pig. You both get dirty, and the pig liked it. Okay? So that, those are the kind of evil people that you don't want to take the bait. Don't get their skunk stank on you, all right? Number three is don't let their toxicity become your toxicity. Okay? This is, this is hard because, again, when somebody spews evil on you, you want to, naturally, you just want to spew back. But you, you can't let your good character be compromised by someone else's poor character. Okay? My reputation is going to stand. I, 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 you have to have a good reputation if you're going to let it stand, you know. Um, it takes a lifetime to build a good reputation, but it takes seconds to lose it. And as soon as I grabbed my phone, I was like, okay, this is not my reputation that I want. I don't want to be this kind of person. I'm not going to be toxic and evil myself. I'm going to put the phone down. But boy, did I have a hard time keeping my heart right that evening. <laughs> um, but that's just it. First Peter 3.16 says, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. I had to keep reminding myself. I had to keep my heart right and keep reminding myself my character, my integrity, my reputation will stand for itself, and so will theirs, okay? So um, it's their reputation will come out in whatever environment they're in. Granted, they may move on from this environment and move on to somebody else. They may talk bad about me, but at some point, I know that all those people in the new environment are going to see this same behavior because 
they don't change because of their environment changes. The, they don't change because their heart has not changed. You get what I'm saying. Okay, so evil people thrive in toxic environments, and we just have to make sure that we're not part of it. You know, they love the turmoil, the dissension, the discord, and we cannot take part in that. Don't let their toxicity become yours. Number four, continue to give it to God. Isaiah 54, 17, if I started this, you'd probably be able to finish it, most of you, okay? No weapon formed against you will prosper. Okay, yes, we know that verse. It's awesome. But a lot of us don't know the second half of that verse. And if you have toxic people in your life, you need to know the second part of this verse. It says, no weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that rises against you, that accuses you. Um, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. The New Living Translation says, you will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. This is the benefit of the servants of the Lord. Okay, so again, if I continue to give it to God, it is only God that will be my defender. I don't have to defend myself. If I have done the first three things, I've kept my heart right, I'm not taking the bait, I'm not gonna let their toxicity become mine, and I give it to God and I just say, Lord, be my defender. Shut down every voice that accuses me. Now, he's not going to do it if you haven't kept your heart right, if you've been evil and toxic yourself, if you've you know, spewed hate on other people. That's not when he's going to do that. You have to have the, the righteous living um, and, uh, and the right kind of heart in order to be able to ask this. Because remember, if our heart doesn't condemn us, we can go before God. Now, it's not to say that you can't bring your hurts and your hearts, because this is a process. You don't just all of a sudden encounter an evil person and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to keep my heart right. And Lord, just help me. I'm, some of you might. I, that is not me. I'm like, what? Oh, you know, Mine is maybe a longer process than other people. I don't know. Um, but I do always try to keep my heart right because I have to learn that God is my defender. And here's, what, here's how I do it. Is Number five is live for an audience of one. Live for an audience of one. Have an eternal perspective. I know that one day I am going to meet my maker face to face and all things are going to be made right. Okay? All those people that have that I felt were toxic and evil and they've harmed me or they've hurt me or they've done things to, um, you know, bring discord and dissension into my life, my world, my family, whatever, they're going to meet their maker as well. But I know at some point I'm going to understand why there's evil in the world and God is going to take all the pain and the grief and the sorrow and he's going to turn it around for joy. He's going to turn it around for my good. And sometimes he does that here on the earth and we see that. But I know that one day I'm going to be face to face with him and it won't matter anymore because he will understand all of my pain. He will get it uh, and I will get it more importantly. But Ecclesiastes 12, 14, this is a verse that will help you to know that you have, you've got to live for an audience of one. Is It says, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So we need to have an eternal perspective and live for an audience of one in order to handle all kinds of blame throwers and all toxic and evil people responsibly. We have to, got to you know, have that eternal perspective to maintain our peace and it helps us in achieving our purpose and our calling, walking in our calling in life. And we can't do that when we're not at peace in the middle of 
crazy, you know? So as I close today, I just I want to call up our location leaders at all our city groups and our online uh, team are ready to talk to you on, um, on the chat, in the chat with anyone who's watching. But you may be watching or, um, you know, in our city groups, and you may not know this audience of one that I'm talking about. You may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I want to give you an opportunity today to do that because here's the deal. You can't change people. You can't change toxic people. You can't change what's happened to you. You can't change what family you've grown up in. You can't change the different circumstances in your life that are negative. But only Jesus can help you walk through that to get to a better place. And only Jesus is the one who, with the power of his Holy Spirit, that brings the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control. You have to have self-control if you're going to do any of these things in, in being able to keep your heart right and not to spew back. You have to have self-control. And the only way you can have that is through the fruit of the Spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit entering when you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so I want to give you an opportunity. If you're in the city groups, I would love it if you'd just bow your heads and close your eyes just to give a private moment for those people around you. And I want you, your location leaders are up at the front, and, and they're going to be able, it's between them and you and the Lord right now. But this is your opportunity to change your destiny your eternity by claiming Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And we're just going to repeat this prayer, but if this is you, if you want to give your life to Christ, I want you to simply raise your hand in, in the city groups. If you're watching online, you can raise your hand by clicking on the button. And I just want you to say this prayer, this simple prayer. It is not the prayer that saves you, but it is believing it in your heart and confessing with your mouth that saves you. And so I want you to uh, connect family. I want you to join all of us at the, at the city groups. Just join online and repeat it after me with our new brothers and sisters who are going to give their lives to Christ. Dear Lord, I believe you sent your son to die on the cross for me because I needed a savior. I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day and are seated in the heavenly places right now. I confess with my mouth now that you are my Lord and savior. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give God the glory and the praise for our new brothers and sisters, our spiritual family members that have just given their life to Christ. If you've done that online or if you've done that in the, in the city groups, you, I want, we're, first of all, let's just rejoice with them. Praise the Lord. It, the Bible says that the angels are rejoicing when somebody gives their life to Christ. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Your eternity is sealed that you will be with Jesus one day. And so if you have done that today, I want you to text CC Saved to 97000. And we just want to send you a gift for the next steps in your spiritual journey. We believe that, you know, a heart can change in an instant, but your life changes over a, a process. And so we want to start your own your spiritual, spiritual journey. So we want to just say that we love you so much. We hope you come back next week for the third part and the final installment for our Blame Thrower series. Love y'all. Have a great week. And God bless you all.